in nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Queen of heaven, rejoice, alleluia. For he whom you demerit to bear, alleluia, is risen as he said, alleluia. Pray for us to God, alleluia. Rejoice and be glad, O Virgin Mary, alleluia. For the Lord has truly risen, alleluia. The following is a reading from Father Alban Butler's Lives of the Saints. May 8th. The Apparition of St. Michael the Archangel. Almighty God displayeth the riches of his goodness, power, and glory in the production of his creatures, and in them he manifesteth his own perfections. The whole world is, as it were, one great temple, where the divine presence shines as it did in the Jewish at the time of its dedication in a visible glory. We owe to him a tribute of praise and thanksgiving for all his works, but more particularly for the noble and pure intelligences in whom he has stamped his own spiritual image in a more perfect manner. He hath enriched them with the treasures of his grace and of spotless sanctity, and hath made them the immortal and blessed inhabitants of his heavenly kingdom. They are by the perfection of their nature superior to man. Hebrews 2.7 and Psalm 8.6 Who seems to hold the lowest rank in the scale of rational beings and to be the link between the spiritual and material world. He being by his body allied to matter and his soul to the celestial intelligences. He is therefore in natural perfections essentially inferior and subordinate to those pure spirits. Nevertheless, in grace he may surpass them. And the church assures us that the Blessed Virgin transcends their highest orders. Upon their creation, God placed them in a state of meriting, and while Lucifer and his adherents fell by pride and were changed into devils, the good spirits, persevering in justice, were confirmed in grace and crowned with glory. It is manifest from the Holy Scriptures that God is pleased to make frequent use of the ministry of the heavenly spirits in the dispensations of his providence in this world, and especially towards man. Hence the name of angel, which is not properly a denomination of nature but office, has been appropriated to them, especially to a certain order among them. The fathers from the sacred oracles distinguish nine orders of these holy spirits, namely the seraphim, cherubim, and thrones, dominations, principalities, and powers, virtues, archangels, and angels. Though many think that the apostle hath not enumerated all the ranks of those noble beings. St. Gregory the Great, and the ancient author of the book on the celestial hierarchy commonly ascribed to St. Dionysus the Areopagite, divide these nine orders into three hierarchies, and each of these again into three ranks. Each order among them hath its characteristical perfections and functions, by which the spirits which compose it in a particular manner set forth and glorify some attribute of the deity, one his supreme dominion and power, another his strength, the cherubim his omniscience or boundless knowledge, the seraphim his infinite love. Archangels are those spirits whom God makes his ambassadors in the execution of his greatest designs, the angels he employs in his ordinary dispensations to men. Their numbers are exceeding great, they being represented in scripture by thousands of thousands and tens Ten thousand times ten thousand. And it is written in the book of Job, Is there any numbering of his soldiers? Job 25.3 These numberless armies of glorious spirits are the bright ornament of the heavenly Jerusalem. They are called by St. Clement of Alexandria, the first begotten of God, 
and by St. Sophronius, the living images of the represent- and representatives of God. As a skillful architect, he polishes more of those stones which he destines to a more noble rank and to more excellent purposes. The angels are all pure spirits, that is, they are uncompounded immaterial substances or subsisting simple beings, which have no parts as bodies and matter have. In them nothing is to be found of color, shape, extension, or any other qualities of matter. They are, by a property of their nature, immortal, as every spirit is. For a simple entity, or what has no parts, can only perish by annihilation, which is a supernatural act of, di- of divine omnipotence, no less than creation. On the contrary, a body being compounded of parts is naturally mortal. Being obnoxious to continual vicissitudes and liable to perish by a separation or dissolution of its parts. Hence the bodies of the elect, after the general resurrection, will be immortal only by a gift of grace. As in their nature, so in its properties and dependencies, do the angels surpass inferior creatures. Their subtlety, quickness of penetration, extensive knowledge and science in natural things are undoubtedly perfect in proportion to the excellency of their beings inasmuch as they are pure intelligences. It is no less certain that they enjoy the faculty of communicating to each other their thoughts and conceptions, which St. Paul calls the tongues of angels. Their discourse can only be intellectual, as Theodora observes, but must on that account be the more perfect. The prophets frequently express it as a peculiar and distinguishing property of God alone, that he is the searcher of hearts so that his all-seeing eye always penetrates into their most hidden recesses, and no creature can conceal anything from him before whom all things are light. In what manner the angels communicate their thoughts or understand those of others we are not able clearly to determine. St. Thomas and divines usually teach with St. Gregory that God speaks to his angels by interiorly discovering to them his will and by inspiring them with a sweet inclination to execute all his orders, and that These pure spirits speak to one another by the interior desire or will of communicating their thoughts and sentiments. By whatever means the angels understand the language of their fellow spirits, by the like they may hear the desires of a human soul, such at least as are addressed to them, or which it concerns them to know. Our guardian angels may in an instant convey or intimate our concerns to spirits that are remote, and God also can immediately reveal our thoughts when he pleases to them. That they know our concerns and by charity interest themselves in them is certain, or there could not be joy in heaven and before the angels of God over one sinner doing penance. Even devils can suggest to our minds evil thoughts, paint in the imagination dangerous objects, frequently see the consent of the human heart, and accuse men at the divine tribunal. That spirits have a natural power of exerting their agency on bodies is proved from several instances in Holy Writ, not only of good angels, but also of devils, when God doth not restrain their natural strength. Evil spirits slew the seven first incontinent husbands of Sarah, hurled the swine into the lake, and carried Christ in the air. Angels have the power of moving or conveying themselves from place to place, in which they are swift even as our thought, and such is their activity that it is not easy for us to conceive it. If light comes from the sun to our eye in seven minutes, it must travel 200,000 miles in a second. Yet this is corporal motion, which essentially requires succession of time. 
but the motion of a spirit from the highest heaven to the lowest point in the universe is instantaneous. This is an imperfect abstract of what divines deliver from the oracles of Holy Writ concerning the nature and properties of the good spirits, but unspeakably more transcendent and more admirable are the noble spiritual endowments of grace and the riches of immortal glory in which, with, with which they are adorned. They are the spotless ministers who approach nearest to the throne of God, and in the contemplation of his infinite beauty and incomprehensible perfections, drink plentifully of the fountain of his holy joy and love, pouring forth with all their strength, without intermission to eternity, a perfect spiritual homage of profound adoration and praise to the glory of his holy name. Though in this imperfect state of human nature we can have but very weak notions of the transcendent powers and faculties of super superior spiritual beings, revelation has in part supplied the defect and drawn aside the veil, letting us into some knowledge of this immaterial world of spirits. The Holy Scripture accordingly admonishes us to watch and to stand upon our guard against the malice and snares of the wicked apostate spirits who, by their evil suggestions, endeavor to seduce and draw us into sin. It also assures us that the good angels are often employed by God in ministering to us and that they frequently lend us their friendly succors. It further informs us that when the material curtain of our body, which at present hides from our eyes the invisible spiritual world, shall be rent asunder, immediately a sudden torrent of light will break in upon us, and we shall see ourselves in the midst of those bright legions. The wicked indeed shall find themselves in darkness under the arrest and tyranny of the accursed spirits, which were here their tempters, and will be hereafter their tormentors, and their companions in unquenchable flames. But a guard of holy angels will conduct the soul of every just man, like Lazarus, to the bodes of light, and it shall be associated to the millions of millions of happy spirits, being itself a kindred spirit. Among the holy archangels, there are particularly distinguished in holy writ Saints Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. Gabriel, which in Hebrew signifies the strength of God, was his ambassador in the greatest of all mysteries, the incarnation of his Son. He was also the messenger of God to deliver his most solemn promise of the same mystery to the prophet Daniel. Raphael signifies the healing of God. This archangel conducted young Toby to Regis, cured his father's blindness, chased away the devil Asmodeus, and bound him, that is, took away his power of hurting for this, as St. Austin observes, is what the scripture is called binding wicked spirits. Matthew 12, 29, Mark 3, 27, 2 Peter 2, 4, Apocalypse 22. St. Michael, whom the church honors this day, was the prince of the faithful angels who opposed Lucifer and his associates in their revolt against God. Michael in Hebrew signifies, who is like God. This was, as it were, his motto when, by humility, he repressed the pride of that apostate angel and set up the standard against him. He continues to protect the saints from his assaults. When the body of Moses was ordered to be secretly buried, lest it pro should prove an occasion of idolatry or superstition to the Jews, who had been accustomed to see the superstitious practice, practices of the Egyptians towards their dead princes and friends, the devil attempted to prevent the execution of the divine order that he might insult the body or make it an object of the people's sin. But St. Michael checked his insolence, not commanding him in his own name, but with humility intimating to him the command of God to desist. Jude 9. 
As the devil is the sworn enemy of God's holy church, St. Michael is its special protector against his assaults and stratagems. In this quality, he was the defender of the Jewish synagogue, as is gathered from Daniel. Chapter 12 And Zachary Chapter 1 And it appears from the most ancient books of the rabbins that he was always acknowledged such by the Hebrews, who even think he was the angel that conducted them into the promised land and was the instrument or minister of God in giving them the law and in other signal favors. This holy archangel has ever been honored in the Christian church under the same title as her guardian under God and as the protector of the faithful. For God is pleased to employ the zeal and charity of the good angels in their leader against the malice of the devil. To thank his adorable goodness for this benefit of his merciful providence is this festival instituted by the church in honor of the good angels, in which devotion she has been encouraged by several apparitions of this glorious archangel. Among others, it is recorded that St. Michael in a vision admonished the bishop of Saponto to build a church in his honor on Mount Gargano, now called Monte de Sant'Angelo, in the Capitanate near Manfredonia in the kingdom of Naples. This history is confirmed by Sigbert in his chronicle and by the ancient tradition of the churches of that country. Baronia shows many circumstances of this vision related by some moderns to be apocryphal. On this and other apparitions of St. Michael, see Charles Stengelius, the German monk's treatise, printed in 1629 under the following title, uh, St. Michaelis Principatus Apparationes Templa Cultus et Miracula Ex Sacris Literis. And that's probably why they removed it from the new calendar, because of the skepticism of modern people. This apparition is approved authentic by the judicious critic Mabalon, who visited those places and examined the records and monuments. This church was erected in the 5th century and is a place of great devotion. When the emperor Otho III had, contrary to his word, put to death for rebellion, Crescentius, a Roman senator, being touched with remorse, he cast himself at the feet of St. Romald, who, in satisfaction for his crime, enjoined him to walk barefoot on a penitential pilgrimage to St. Michael's on Mount Gargano, which penance he performed in 1002, as St. Peter Damien relates. In France, Aubert, bishop of Avranches, moved, it is said, by certain visions, built in 708 a church in honor of St. Michael on a barren rock which hangs over the sea between Normandy and Brittany. In the 10th century, this collegiate church was changed into a great Benedictine abbey. In imitation of this was the famous church of St. Michael refounded in Cornwall in the reign of William the Conqueror by William Earl of Moreton on a mountain which the tide encompasses. It is said by Borlas, the learned and accurate antiquarian of Cornwall, that this church of St. Michael was first built in the 5th century. The Greeks mention in their Menea a famous apparition of St. Michael at Chone, the ancient Colossae in Frisia. Many apparitions of good angels in favor of men are recorded both in the Old and New Testament. It is mentioned in particular of the special guardian and protector of the church that, in the persecution of Antichrist, he will powerfully stand up in her defense. At that time shall Michael rise up, the great prince who standeth for the children of thy people. Daniel 12.1 He is not only the protector of the church, but of every faithful soul. He defeated the devil by humility. We are enlisted in the same warfare. 
His arms were humility and ardent love of God. The same must be our weapons. We ought to regard this archangel as our leader under God, and courageously resisting the devil in all his assaults to cry out, Who can be compared to God? And now we will end this episode with the prayer to St. Michael, the archangel, and I will be reading the longer version of this prayer. You may be familiar with the prayer to St. Michael that we often pray at the end of Mass. Pope Leo XIII composed these prayers, and there's a longer version which he composed after seeing a vision of evil spirits who had been released from hell and their efforts to destroy the church. And in the midst of this vision of horror, the archangel St. Michael appeared and cast Satan and his legions into the abyss of hell. And Pope Leo XIII died in 1903. And we know what happened after that. Two world wars and much suffering for the church. So these prayers to St. Michael in response to this vision of the devils trying to destroy the church is needed more now than ever. Let us pray. O glorious Prince of the Heavenly Host, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in the battle and in the terrible warfare that we are waging against the principalities and powers, against the rulers of this world of darkness, against the evil spirits. Come to the aid of man, whom Almighty God created immortal, made in his own image and likeness, and redeemed at a great price from the tyranny of Satan. Fight this day the battle of the Lord, together with the holy angels, as already thou hast fought the leader of the proud angels, Lucifer, and his apostate host, who were powerless to resist thee, nor was there place for them any longer in heaven. That cruel ancient serpent, who is called the devil or Satan, who seduces the whole world, was cast into the abyss with his angels. Behold, this primeval enemy and slayer of men has taken courage. Transformed into an angel of light, he wanders about with the multitude of wicked spirits, invading the earth in order to blot out the name of God and of his Christ, to seize upon, slay, and cast into eternal perdition souls destined for the crown of eternal glory. This wicked dragon pours out, as the most impure flood, the venom of his malice on men of depraved mind and corrupt heart, the spirit of lying, of impiety, of blasphemy, and the pestilent breath of impurity and of every vice and iniquity. These most crafty enemies have filled and inebriated with gall and bitterness the church, the spouse of the Immaculate Lamb, and have laid impious hands on her most sacred possessions. In the holy place itself, where the sea of holy Peter and the chair of truth have been set up as the light of the world, they have raised the throne of their abominable impiety with the iniquitous design that when the pastor has been struck, the sheep may be scattered. Arise then, O invincible prince, bring help against the attacks of the lost spirits to the people of God, and give them the victory. They venerate thee as their protector and patron, and thee, holy church, glories as her defense against the malicious power of hell. To thee has God entrusted the souls of men to be established in heavenly beatitude. O pray to the God of peace that he may put Satan under our feet, so far conquered that he may no longer be able to hold men in captivity and harm the church. Offer our prayers in the sight of the Most High, so that they may quickly find mercy in the sight of the Lord, in vanquishing the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan. Do thou again make him captive in the abyss, that he may no longer seduce the nations. Amen. Behold the cross of the Lord, 
Be scattered, ye hostile powers. The line of the tribe of Judah has conquered the root of David. Let thy mercies be upon us, O Lord, as we have hoped in thee. O Lord, hear my prayer, and let my cry come unto thee. Let us pray. O God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we call upon thy holy name, and as supplicants we implore thy clemency, that by the intercession of Mary of a Virgin, Immaculate, and our Mother, and of the glorious St. Michael the Archangel, thou wouldst deign to help us against Satan and all the other unclean spirits who wander about the world for the injury of the human race and the ruin of souls. Amen. Sancta Michael, Archangele, ora pro nobis, in nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Amen.